Retirement is often seen as a destination, but we believe it's an opportunity to pursue your passions, realize your dreams, and live a purposeful life. Great decisions, incredible lives. Retire with Intention podcast is about more than just money. It's about embracing the things that truly matter, the experiences, the relationships, and the impact you leave behind. Here is your host, John Creekmer. Well, welcome back, everybody. John here, and uh, thanks for uh, sitting in again with us. We have another discussion uh, here on Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention. And the reality is it's all about living a life of intention and uh, really excited, actually kind of nervous today. Now, one of my dear friends all with me, Brian Guru. I'll introduce you to Brian here in a second. So he's already been posting a lot of threats to me on uh, stories that he's going to reveal to everyone today. So... <laughs> We'll see if he stays out or uh, or what he has to do. But uh, Brian, am I okay to go ahead, or are you are you going to go ahead and just uh, warn everyone now that you're just going to trash me under the bus, or what are you going to do? I just want you to be anticipating. <laughs> Great, I'll- I do. I do appreciate though, John, letting me come casual. I've got my uh, Papa hat on, and uh, just had the pleasure of uh, having a picnic with six of the grandkids before they start school tomorrow. So beautiful day for that. But I will. So you have your Papa Bear hat on. That's uh, that's quite a hat. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of scary. I mean, it's Papa Bear. That would indicate that you're a bear fan also. And and so I'm sure that uh, that aligns with, with your true heart's uh, favorite, right? Okay. So we're starting already. <laughs> I am a diehard Packer fan. You know that very well. Right. Uh, we're not going to talk about the, the Cardinals. So we'll do it that way. Right, so, Brian, so you had lunch with six grandchildren. How many grandchildren do you have? I have seven. The two-year-old was uh, in daycare. Uh, it was nap time. Yeah, and so nap time and never, never sleep. Uh, never wake a sleeping child. That seems to be a good rule of thumb to follow. It's a very good one. As you continue to your grandparenting career, you'll right. w- learn that again. Right, for sure. Brad, how long have we known each other? I was trying to think back the other day. We were. Uh, Thinking about that, chatting about that, I think 20 plus years. Yeah. Uh, easily. The first time that you and I met, we actually met uh, in a very nice office, but it was in the top of a barn. Mm-hmm. And I uh, followed you all around all the different places you've been since then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for those that aren't, weren't aware, I mean, back 20 some years ago, we actually had our, we built a barn uh, on our family farm and uh, had our office there. So when I first met Brian and Pat and, and uh, been together with the with the gurus, goodness, for now over 20 years. It's been a it's been a fun journey and developing just the great friends of ours. Brian and I get together, um, I think, every month for lunch now. And uh, those are great conversations and uh, learn a lot. It's been a tremendous impact on my life. And I just wanted to be able to get together with Brian and really kind of share a lot just about his uh, personal journey and uh, as far as just work and business and um, and also just how he has worked on over his, over the years of his life of uh, really identifying this core values and uh, how that really has guided decisions. And, you know, one of the things we always talk about with everybody is, is that we have are on this journey to live an incredible life. And and sometimes folks look, look, listen to that and they say, you know, you know, I don't have an incredible life. I'm pretty basic. I'm pretty... It's, this regular living. Well, incredible life really means that you align your values. First of all, you know what your core values are, and then you set your goals in the short term, intermediate term, long term for your life that are based upon those core values. Then you sit down and walk through that with wise counselors. Then you set your financial resources to realize the goals you have, all the while making sure there's balance in your life and that you're living that incredible life. And and so a lot of times there's there's distractions along the way, there's just different adjustments and 
a lot of it really is kind of bringing to alignment those core values with everything else. And that's, I thought, me and Brian and I have talked a lot just about core values. And I guess maybe to set the whole thing up, Brian, can you give everyone kind of an idea as far as, um, as far as career of working life and uh, when you retired and what you've been doing since then? Uh, and also kind of meld that together also as far as with family life. You also mentioned having seven grandchildren. Okay. Uh, so here's the two-minute version. <laughs> uh, most important, I was blessed for 35 years to be married to uh, a wonderful lady who's uh, now waiting for me in heaven. We have three children, and they have great spouses and seven grandchildren, two girls and five boys. And uh, they're very much stair-step, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, five, and two. So I think I did that right. And uh, we, that uh, one of our values that we talk about all the time is fa- is family, and we are a little bit unique in that we all live within five minutes of each other, and we have a weekly family dinner together. Like today, we were talking about tomorrow night's family dinner, but we also have our first flag football game. So we're going to have a really easy family dinner because we're all going to the uh, family football game. So there'll be fourteen of us there rooting. One five-year-old <laughs> from the sidelines. I grew up a thousand miles from here in the Adirondacks, upstate New York. Actually, we were only seven miles from the Canadian border and uh, had an extended family because my grandparents lived in the original homestead, which was uh, 1890. And then after the Korean War, my parents built another house on the same property that actually was connected to the original homestead. And uh, had a great life, great family, uh, one sister. And then I uh, became the black sheep of the family. I went to uh, college five hours away instead of 30 minutes away. And from there, moved to uh, the Midwest. Had a great 30-plus year career uh, at Caterpillar. And uh, saw things, experienced things I never thought were possible for a small-town kid like me. And then, uh, John, you helped us work out a plan. And I was uh, fortunate enough to retire before 55, my choice, and uh, then I couldn't turn my brain off, so I started a small consulting company. I have a hobby of writing. I won't say I'm a great uh, writer, but I'm a wonderful storyteller, I think. And so um, I've written nine books now, or co-authored nine books, and uh, enjoying life. You know, I I even asked you this, Brian, as far as writing the books, um, I know people, this little information on as far as the show notes they're gonna be able to find ways to uh follow more brian as far as a podcast that you're um that you've just recently launched called latitude and uh and um and also just as far as links on amazon as far as a number of the books that you have written and uh you've written books that um are used organizationally with uh, businesses and not-for-profits and businesses. Um, you've also written children's books, and uh, I think you have you're, you have a goal objective of having a child a children's book for each one of your grandchildren, right? Um, yeah, I made a foolish public utterance. I had one grandchild that I thought it would be great if I would write a children's book for all of them. I didn't know there were going to be seven. And they didn't know they were going to be stacked up the way they are, but um, just released two more. And so that's six out of seven. And very, very uh, pleased. Had some great people help me with editing and with illustrations. And most importantly, there's some good memories uh, that I hope they take for a long, long time. But also some uh, some good principles that I think apply to anyone and any child. And 100% of the proceeds go to one of our local nonprofits, which operates a crisis nursery mm. yeah it's just the phenomenal you know tool bro i think so many 
for so many different outcomes. I mean, first of all, that uh, each of the books that you wrote a unique book for each grandchild that really developed with a was a more of a character trait or a principle as far as a guiding principle of life, which really aligns with your core values. And then also then the proceeds from the book go to a crisis a crisis center as far as with uh, uh, young moms, single moms of children. And uh, it's even there you're living out those core principles with the proceeds from the book. And so uh, it's a phenomenal way to really stay engaged, but to also build into the next generation, but also provide meaningful impact locally. And so, but I want to outlet there. I, on the business side, organizational side, leadership side, you know, my first book that I read of yours, I'm trying, was a slice of life, right? Was that the first book that you wrote or was that, uh, was it? What was, was the first it? book? Yeah. yeah. You know how much I love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> right. As far as the philosophy of that book, what prompted you to write that book? Actually, I was uh, asked by another author to, to co-write one. And, uh, it's kind of interesting. He, I asked him why because he had written a number of other books. And he said, well, you know, you uh, when we're together, you talk about religion. And I go, I'm not sure I talk about religion. I talk about faith. So we've been friends for now 30 years. And uh, he's now understanding the difference between practicing religion and practicing practicing your faith so we wrote that book together and uh it's an allegory takes place in a small pizza shop but um really talks about all those fundamental principles that are so important in life one of which is to be engaged not passively but actively engaged in your life your family's life your community's life etc so what does that mean it means real simple uh it's uh in your head your heart and your hands and uh if you have discretionary time that's where you're going to spend it. Uh, you're not going to take any yips, hands, or butts if you're committed to it. And uh, it's a story of a whole bunch of people in that small community. Um, some may be true, some may not. Yeah, I know they had that book I thought was just uh, really formative with Stacy and I, as far as just uh, in ways that we bring about engagement, as far as an, an intention in the lives that we live every day. I, I think that uh, for our listeners looking for maybe another um, a book that through an allegory form to really kind of maybe start to start them thinking as far as just even daily activities in their own lives. I think it's a phenomenal resource for folks to uh, get into it. And uh, like I said, if you go to Amazon, you'll be able to find, um, you know, all of Brian's writings and books there. So it's a wonderful place to go. And John, uh, just to pick up on that for a second, I think uh, one of the reasons that you and I have talked about that and we've talked about this subject before is there are more and more choices in life every day. Uh, technology is giving us more and more options. And so we have to make some decisions. There's lots of influencing of those decisions. And uh, at the end of the day, as we've talked about before, so how do you make those decisions? Which uh, really is the hook why we got together over 20-some years ago, and that was because you you led off talking about investments with values. Not how much money we were going to make, but how were we going to live out our values? And I think that that's really important because you can do a lot of transactional things for me uh, and Pat. Uh, the bottom line was it wasn't about transactional things. It was about relational things. You know, it's interesting. I think everyone comes into a financial advisor, wealth advisory firm, and uh, there's a money reason that initiates the conversation. And the reality is money is simply a medium as a tool that allows us to live out our lives and the principles that we have, or it gives us the ability to live a life that's not based upon a positive core value. And so it's a choice. Um, however, I think that if we work together to identify those core values and then say, let's start to think through practically, how do you live this out? 
everyone's different. Everyone's got different values, uh, but it's a matter of knowing that. And I was, Brian, I was sticking it back right now. You recently launched a podcast uh, called Latitude, and um, and on to the first number of episodes, you talk about a concept called return on culture. Can you kind of, which is an interesting thing to me, I mean, hear about return on investments, hear about return on assets, um, but return on culture is a whole different concept. And I know that you've been, a, um, I'm going to say, a thought leader in that area for a while and uh, really bringing that idea probably a little bit more, I'm going to say, into a mainstream platform and a podcast form. Can you kind of walk through what does return on culture mean for an organization and why is that important? Sure. Um, thank, thank you. The I think the fundamental is to start with is what is culture? You know, you have a culture in a family, you have a culture in an organization, you have a f- culture in a community, et cetera. But it's simply the s- accepted or perceived way we do things and why we do it. And I think that that's extremely important and we don't spend enough time talking about the why. But having started a number of facilities and s- supported lots and lots of facilities around uh, the world, literally, the bottom line is it's easy to replicate things, buildings, square footage, technology, physical layout, etc. But the heart and soul of any organization, any family are the individuals. And so how do you, how do we ultimately get them excited? How do they feel valued? How do we create that commitment? And when you can do those things, and it's not a bunch of warm and fuzzy things, as some people would say, there's some very strategic things to do, some very important processes to do. There's some very important clarity to do. One of the things that's really important with culture is to define what accountability means. And too often, I think that uh, that uh, has multiple definitions today. But we were able to see in the corporate world, um, when we spent time on culture, creating norms instead of just compliance while we were watching people or doing audits, et cetera, that uh, we saw all sorts of performance improve, whether it was quality, inventory, accuracy, creative ideas, et cetera. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get to work in the Fortune 50 company at the time, and that we actually had... Uh, engagement and values and culture is a high priority, including that it was one of the KPIs. And we saw some phenomenal results uh, and not just bigger numbers. Uh, in some cases, like living through the Great Recession, uh, we saw some things that were very positive for the business that happened because we had spent time building relationships, treating people as valuable resources. And uh, helping them grow and develop. I guess the question that I was still in talk about that. I mean, you see it work as far as in the corporate world. Do you think that the concept or the the thought of return on culture and and basing the decisions you make based upon a culture, uh, based upon the definition you gave, which is phenomenal, is that also is is that universal? Is that concept something which we apply to a not-for-profit, to a church, to even a family setting or an individual setting? The answer to that is absolutely yes, not because a book says so, but I've seen it applied. I've worked with nonprofits. I've worked with churches that have been around the world. People are people. And um, I guess one simple example that I would share with you, think about two families that you know, and one family you go visit and you're invited for dinner and there's a certain set of behaviors that naturally happen. Kids helps at the table. Uh, mom's not the only person doing the work. 
Everybody is very polite, and after dinner, everybody helps clean up, and great conversation around the table. And then you have another family that you're invited to visit, and things are totally different. Absolutely. Because the culture that they've created, the accepted way that we do things is different. And I think we do that uh, in churches. We do that in nonprofit organizations. We do it in profit organizations. We do it in China. We do it in South Africa. We do it in Canada and in Peoria, Illinois. So when you, earlier, Brian, you gave a definition of culture. Can you, can you think through and repeat what your definition of culture was? Sure. It's uh, the accepted or perceived way that we do things. And why? First time I took some of my young staff uh, overseas and we were driving a vehicle and their comment was, well, why is the steering wheel on this side and why do they, why do they drive on that side of the road? It's wrong. It's like, no, that's the accepted way that we do things in, in this. They're not wrong. It's just different. So I think lots of organizations and it goes back to again, the first time that we met a lot, a lot of it comes down to, to values. We've talked about lots of different analogies for values, but there are several that stick in my mind very much. You know, values are a compass. They provide direction. Doesn't mean that you follow it, but they're providing the direction that uh, you said you wanted to go. But there's still choices like we talked about before. It's also the glue. The real test of values is not in the good times. It's when the challenging decisions have to be made. And even if you have really solid values, it doesn't mean that you still don't go through tough times or have tough challenges. It just means that you go through them and educate and excuse me and execute those with different behaviors. Um, it's also an important measurement. If you never use it as a measurement tool on how you're doing then you have a tendency sometimes to let outside influences uh, tell you what success looks like and what it doesn't look like. I think the other thing, too, <clears throat> is that it's like a magnet. It will definitely attract you know, some people. They like very much the values that you're living, whether it's an organization or a family. But in some cases, magnets also repel. Mm. And some people just won't feel comfortable in that environment. Mm -hmm. One of the classics that I continually see because of, uh, especially in the United States today with the labor market, is that when you ask people, well, tell me about Joe. I ran into Joe. He said, well, you know, Joe's technically very, very good. He's got a skill that we definitely need. So attitude's not very good, but we're going to accept it because we need that. Well, over time, those types of things start eroding that norm that you're hoping to achieve where people don't even think about doing things. They just do them the way that's aligned with your values and your strategy. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I mentioned at the very beginning that a lot of times folks come to us for money reason. And so let's even say that their objective is retirement planning. And uh, so that's an end goal for a lot of people. Uh, we encourage folks to think through retirement um, to kind of take the old concept of retirement, what it was, out of their their mind's eye, if you will. And so not to consider that the way maybe it was viewed in previous generations, but simply to use it as a new stage of life and that their core values should be driving what that next stage of life looks like for them. Have you found ways or practices, as we talked a lot about values, for people to actually identify and start to document what core values are to them or core principles that are guiding to them? Is there a process they can walk through that you have found, or is it just they need to sit down and think and write stuff down? This is not an advertisement, <laughs> but if you grabbed a slice of life mm. and you looked at the back page, there's 10 questions. They're mm. fill-in-blank questions. And I've 
feel very confident that if you answer those 10 questions honestly, you probably could figure out your values real quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my simple answer, and I'm not. That's mm-hmm. not an advertisement. Yeah, in fact, if if you want to post in the show notes those questions, please feel free to. Yep, I'll tell you that. We'll definitely put a link in the slice of life, and maybe we'll post that as kind of even a teaser or some questions to ask. Because I think a lot of folks really struggle a little bit on what is a core value and how do I identify the things that are most important to me. And I think some of it is just in thought. You're able to figure some things out, but um, I think Brian, that'd be a useful tool. Uh, to really help people as they're starting to think through this. I mean, it, it's been amazing to me, Brian, as, as you and I have been talking about core values driving the life decisions that ultimately helps us get to a better spot of selling our financial resources uh, to accomplish those big life objectives that we have before us. That whenever we start talking about core values, all of a sudden the light starts to click on in the lives of so many people because they're able to identify what those things are to them. And for everyone, it's different, but there is some commonality there. Uh, but they identify that, and also they recognize, man, that's where I have highest level of engagement. That's what brings me joy in life. That's what brings me contentment in life. That's where I really see the largest impact relationally with people. And I never thought about that. If we set our financial resources to live that out, well, then that means that we're not concerned about a money amount. We're not sort of a dollar amount. Instead, we're concerned about really that true contentment, joy, and impact. And so I think that's going to be a phenomenal thing for us to link into to help give some people some real meat as far as for some personal reflection. And the one thing I appreciate, Brian, about all of your books and the way you've written them is that it's not just Ryan writing his thoughts. You put questions, you put down action points to get away so that we have application also. Well, you know, I like to ask questions, so <laughs> part, of, part of who I am. But John, I think that two things, and I think, uh, again, we've talked about this, I think it's so important. I think it's important that if you're blessed with a spouse or so uh, a partner or significant other, et cetera, and, uh, that you really talk about what those values mean. Uh, in other words, many times people use the same words, but they're uh, mm. using different dictionaries. Yeah. And the more specific you can be, the better. So, for example, I'll, I'll give you two. Well, I'll give you a simple example that happened today. Um, we got my car serviced today, just standard maintenance. And when I picked up the car, there was a sheet of paper on the front seat. And it was a little note said, hi, we looked at your car. Here's the value of it. Here's a new one that's available. And look, you can get a brand new car for only or for $70 less per month than what you were paying before. I have no car payment. But that was that was the logic. You know, it, a lot depends, again, on how you define values and how you define success. For our family, uh, vehicles were very much an important piece of transportation. That's it. Yeah. So what did that do? It caused us to make some decisions like um, not having lots of debt and having car payments forever, et cetera. That's not how everybody thinks. Um, another simple example was a house. It's a huge expenditure. Well, for us, you know, a safe, well-structured house wasn't the objective. It was the home. It mm-hmm. was the home that the family created. So those are those are some of those clarifications that I think are so important because we throw out words, but they don't necessarily mean the same thing to everybody. And I think especially with uh, your spouse or your partner, it's really, really important that uh, you have the same definitions. Yeah. I think that's just some great insight, Brian, because we do talk a lot of the same words, but it means different things for different reasons to all of us. Um, and so getting to go with your spouse or with your partner on that, 
and having some great clarity. Maybe ask, you know, always make sure you ask the next question. And so whenever it's identified as a word is used, um, ask the next question about what that means. And then also ask the next question, maybe how does that play out practically? Um, just so you can make sure that you're both are communicating the same language. You had mentioned earlier about. And, and never forget, and never forget the, uh, that wonderful question that as kids grow up, you get tired of hearing why. So why, why are we going to make that decision or why are we considering that decision? Yeah. I think that's really important because as you know, uh, helping us be good stewards of our resources for 20 plus years you have short-term goals you have medium-term goals and you have long-term goals and thing you know things when you start out there are a lot of fundamental things that you're trying to accomplish as time goes on you find that uh, some of those things are less important things but perhaps making the memories is the most important thing mm-hmm. for us that that material things were not the high priority was making memories and so as you know one simple example of that is um, we're blessed in that every year we get to spend a family vacation together yeah we plan for that but to spend a week together sure it has a few challenges with 14 people in the same but the memories that we're making the conversations that uh, the grandkids are having about next year we want to do x or watching them be afraid of the beach one year and the next year you can't get them out of the water <laughs> that's what life's about yeah you had mentioned earlier about uh really kind of how we have values that it helps whenever life does not go on the straight line. And then so there's tie points in our lives and down points. Can you kind of explain a little bit, a little more granular about how would having the values understood by both of all parties within the relationship that sets the culture, that how does that help make decision making, whether it be how we invest our money, whether it be the priorities that we have, whether it be our daily activities, how does having those values really kind of probably come into play a little bit more whenever life's not in the straight line and we're, we're seeing things happen? Well, I haven't seen anything that's a straight line very often. So probably the best example that I can give you uh, relates to my bride getting diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and the 15 months that she battled that and what we tried to do. We sat down in the beginning and one of the things that we talked about is how are we going to apply our values? Now, we didn't ask it in that way, but we said, you know, what what boundaries are we going to set if if we think that we want to go overseas and try something because pancreatic cancer does not have any early warning detection it's the third largest uh, killer uh, of cancers today and uh, there's not a ton of opportunities especially when it's diagnosed in stage three or stage four and why and so we decided we were going to do a b c d and e but one of the things we said we that we collectively did not want to do is we didn't want to go you know a thousand miles away or overseas etc for the simple reason that one of our basic values is family you know we wanted family to be available to not only support us but for us to support them as it went through these challenging times and so we didn't go to the west coast and we didn't go to europe and we didn't do some of those things and so that was very important for us as i said before values the defining moment isn't when when things are good the defining moments when you have to make the really tough decisions yeah so fast forward uh in our research we found an organization that we absolutely knew nothing about during this 15-month journey called PANCAN. It's the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And they have some phenomenal free resources they're doing. Uh, They're not doing, but they're coordinating research around the world for pancreatic cancer, et cetera. Uh, And so 
one of the ways that I'm trying to support them is since COVID hit several weeks after my wife went to heaven, uh, I needed some way to grieve. And so I was able to, uh, over a period of time with God's grace, write the book. And uh, 100% of that goes to the Pancreatic Cancer Society for awareness and understanding because it really is a silent killer. And as you know, it's not about uh, getting resources and then burying them in the backyard or as I used to do, finding a cave and putting a rock in front of it. It's how to use those wisely. And so trying to be uh, helpful to other organizations that are making a difference is really important to us. And so again, even though I'm uh, flying without my wing person, those values haven't changed. And so that's how we're living that out. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think hopefully everyone has been able to kind of uh, pull away some key principles here we're talking about, which is really having those conversations just with uh, yourself and with your spouse or partner and really speaking the same language, identifying those core values, because that really is what should be driving your decisions. And oftentimes we get to decision points and we've not had those discussions. And then all of a sudden we're making decisions based upon whatever the feel is in the moment. That does not help us live that confident, content, joy-filled life. And um, and so it's a matter of making sure it's proper alignment on those principles. And um, and everybody in the show notes, you'll be able to find uh, links to all the information we talked about today and uh, some other resources on there, uh, ways to um, to follow more information for Brian. And uh, and Brian, maybe sometime we'll have you, sometime whenever we're out for lunch, we'll uh, maybe set up the recorder and just kind of go on for, uh, <laughs> for part two and uh that might get scary hearing us order our wings or whatever, but uh. so John, one of the one of the things I would say before we close about values is um, what I have found in twenty plus years of of uh, working in this area is that everybody says they have them, but they can point to people who aren't living them, mm-hmm. and so that goes back to well, where's the how's the, how do you define it? What's the clarity? Mm-hmm. And so I'll leave you with one little simple exercise that. Uh, is simple, but it's really powerful. And it has three words, say, do, get. So we say certain things that align, that these are critical principles. These are our values. The second part is then what behavior or activity, whether it's an investment, whether it's what we participate in, et cetera. What do, are we specifically doing to the result or a positive perception? But then the real opportunity for growth and refinement is to do the same exercise, say, okay, we say that same thing. Now, where have we not acted out consistently or maybe sent a mixed signal or deviated from our plan and we didn't get the result or the perception that we were hoping for? Sounds very simple, but if you have quality conversations, you'll find that you have many things that align um, and you can get even better if you look at those things that are misaligned because, again, it helps you have a richer conversation as to why did we make that exception. Yeah, that's priceless. Brian, thank you so much. And hey, thanks for spending time with us today. And uh, we'll continue the conversation at a later time. And everybody, thank you also for spending time with the great decisions, incredible lives. And it's truly about, at this point, making sure you can define with correct definition that you're unified in what those core values are. And then from there, let's have a discussion about how to apply it. Talk to you all next time we drop the next episode. Thank you again for listening to The Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention podcast with host John Creekmer. Follow us on social media, visit our website, and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives. 
please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose, fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement.